Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, and we are back from the bye week, Wes. Not that we ever totally get to check out because there's always some work to be done, but we got to spend a few days away from the office. I hope you enjoyed yours. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking with Ryan Hartwig, our magnificent manager of social media, and I said to him, or actually Ryan was the one that brought this up. I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. On Sunday, it's like, you know, we still had to work last week. I was still in the office four out of the five days. But it is interesting when you get through Sunday night, and you're like, oh, oh, so this is how the other half lives. Like they just, they work five days and then they're off Saturday, Sunday. Not everybody. I know there's a lot of people that work on the weekends, but it was, it was really refreshing to be able to do that. Uh, honestly, it was just kind of important just to catch up on life a little bit, yeah. uh, get some Christmas presents bought and purchased and projects taken care of. So it was fun. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed that, those opportunities to sit down on Sunday and watch an NFL yeah. game. And then when it's over, just turn the TV off and go do something yeah, else as opposed something to else. like, oh, now I have like six hours worth of work to do because the game is over, right? <laughs> so that's not, uh, that that was not just where for the we record on Sunday. We did the show five and a half years. That's the first time I think I've ever sneezed I think it on is. Packers Unscripted. I think it is. And we're not stopping. No, we're this not. Is and we're not, And we're not going to reshoot. We're not going to reshoot either. That's Matt, That has to get in. Matt Arvin, <laughs> do some, I, he's busy enough, but do some research. I don't ever remember sneezing on Packers Unscripted. And I realize, I'm like, I can't contain this. This is going to happen. So I apologize. We're off to a rip-roaring start here we in are, week uh, we 14. Well, where I did want to start this show, actually, with regard to watching football on Sunday, is to talk about two streaks that came to an end. One being the Detroit Lions' winless streak. They had not won a game, I believe it was, for 364 days, dating back to Correct. December. Correct. That's what Paul Allen told me. Of 2020. And uh, the Lions get a last-second victory over the Minnesota Vikings, which has some implications for the Packers that I'll get to in a minute. But the other streak that ended, Wes, Jamal Williams actually fumbled a football. Unbelievable. I believe it's 747 touches Mm -hmm. in the regular season, and then you add some more in the postseason on top of that. Still doesn't have a lost fumble because the Lions recovered. The Lions recovered, but... Jamal Williams, the former Packers running back, now Lions running back, actually fumbled a football for the first time in his career. Well, and it was funny because I think I realized this maybe midway through his third season in Green Bay that he'd been on the streak. I think he'd reached like 500 touches. I remember the first time you brought it up on this show, show. actually, at at one point, and I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. And and you, you made me aware of it, so I've always paid attention since then. And there was no benefit whatsoever to me writing anything about it or talking about it because then you you just get the people tweeting at you, oh, way to, way to mess up the streak or way to jinx them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I never talked about it, but it was a remarkable four-year streak for him in Green Bay. And Incredible. the fact that he had as many touches as he did in Detroit, the guy, I, I said this number one thing about Jamal Williams, the biggest compliment I can ever pay him, he is such a good fundamental football player yeah. and a good fundamental running back. So uh, fortunately for them, they didn't lose the ball. And, and fortunately for the Detroit Lions, they didn't lose that game. They found a way to win. Uh, a game that you could tell meant a lot to Dan Campbell and that football team. Yeah, absolutely. A crazy sequence of events there at the end of the game with the fourth down decision, and then the Vikings decide to get a touchdown instead of work the clock, and it leaves Jared Goff a whole bunch of time. All of that stuff, a last-second, last play of the game, touchdown pass to Equinemius St. Brown's brother, Amon Ra, if I'm saying that correctly, Amon Ra St. Brown. 
the Lions get a win. And the big implications for the Packers there with the Vikings losing, the Packers now potentially could clinch the NFC North this week. And the way that that could happen is the Vikings playing now on a short week. They've got a Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, a suddenly rejuvenated Pittsburgh team after their last-second victory over the Baltimore Ravens in a big division rivalry. The Vikings play Pittsburgh on Thursday. If the Vikings lose that game, Wes, the Packers will take the field Sunday night at Lambeau Field against the Chicago Bears with a chance to clinch a third straight NFC North title. So I will fully, you know, we have to we have to call a spade a spade here because if you and I are going to talk about injuries on the Packers side, we have to talk about the fact that Daniil Hunter's gone down. They didn't have Delvin Cook in this game. Eric Kendricks was out. Eric Kendricks for, is for out that, as well. For that game as well for Minnesota. Minnesota's yes. banged up, but unfortunately for them, in a d- different from just the pieces, the, the the puzzle's been very much the same this year. They had a huge win, a a, a much a well deserved victory in the last moments against the Packers. But back-to-back letdowns. And yep. I, I, I said this earlier this season, Mike, they really feel like a team to me that's just kind of steamrolling towards another 500-type season. And when you fall to a team like Detroit that's had to work through its own issues, that probably is not the most talented team in the National Football League in the bottom third in that regard in terms of what Dan Campbell has to work with. Th- this is the ups and downs you go through. Uh, the question was asked in Insider Inbox, and I still I, – I hope, you know, Rick Spielman's such a level-headed guy, you know – everybody in that organization. I, I hope the Vikings do realize that this is going to be a disappointing year potentially for them again. I still don't feel, even though the defense isn't great, I still don't feel like Mike Zimmer's the problem there. He's the best head coach that's come through this division that hasn't been collecting a paycheck from the Packers, in my estimation, in 20 years. Yeah. So they, they have a probably lot to figure si- Probably since Lovey Smith was in Chicago, I would right? agree. Yeah. 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 So, and just, just seeing how this all goes, but man, I'm telling you, if this thing doesn't go well for them on Thursday, it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah. I mean, the, the th- when I look at the Vikings season, and we had talked earlier, you know, in getting ready for the, the Packers-Vikings matchup, which ended up being a down-to-the-wire last play yeah. thing. We talked about how the Vikings have been in all of these last-second games. And yes, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. That's the way this league goes. But for me, from the Vikings' perspective, they've lost two games this season that you absolutely cannot lose. You can't lose a primetime game at home against a Dallas Cowboys team that is starting a quarterback for the first time in his life in the NFL. You cannot lose that football game at home at night. And you can't go to Detroit and play a division rival that is 0-10-1 when you have so much to play for and let that game get away in the final seconds. To me, I mean... Yes, the, as I said, the Vikings have had all of these last-second losses, wins back and forth, whatever. But those two games that you really cannot lose, that's the difference between the Vikings being 7-5 and five and 5-7 five and seven right now yep. are those two results. And there's been a lot of poo you know, swung at, slung at Jared Goff this year, but you got to give Goff credit. That looked like a guy that had been there and he'd seen a lot. He played in a Super Bowl, and in winning time he came through for his football team. Uh, you know, to be able to pull that out, and you know, as Amon Ross St. Brown being the one to catch that pass in the end zone, all the chips are down. You got to get it. You talk about the games that the Vikings have lost close. Detroit's had oh, yeah. a lot of those too, and they finally Absolutely. found a way to get that win. But if you would have told me that Kirk Cousins would have thrown for 340 yards, have 117 passer rating, Justin Jefferson goes off for another 180 yards, and they still lose that game to Detroit, I think I would have probably thought that you're full of it. Yeah, well. 
the Vikings, because the Vikings are 5-7, and seven, that is a big reason now that the Packers are on the verge of potentially clinching that NFC North title. Turning our attentions a little more directly to the Packers, what we're waiting to see this week, Wes, because I've used the word potentially on this show already, and Matt LaFleur used the word potentially in his meeting with the media on Monday. Maybe, just maybe, David Bakhtiari and or Jair Alexander and or Zadaria Smith could be back on the practice field for the Packers very soon. Now, again, we don't know, and Matt LaFleur, as he has said all season long, was making no guarantees, no promises whatsoever. But signs are pointing to, whether it's this week, next week, maybe heading into Christmas, whatever the case might be, that these three all-pro players, a five-time all-pro left tackle, two second-team all-pro defensive stars, could be coming back for Green Bay here at some point during the stretch run. It's at least good to hear the way and the inflection in LaFleur's voice when talking about those three guys. Because to make note of that, when he was asked about Josh Myers, he was quick to say, no, he's not going to practice yet. He's not that close. He could have easily just written off any of those other three. Right. He didn't do that. Now, again, there's a lot of excitement in the inbox. There's a lot of excitement on Twitter. Calm down just a little bit. You know, Jair Alexander hasn't practiced yet. Zadarius Smith hasn't practiced yet. David Bakhtiari practiced a little bit, didn't practice for the past few weeks, could potentially be back this week. It's still a process. But the Packers to be sitting at 9-3, and three, one game out from the top of the division, as you said, how close they are to clinching a division title. To have those guys potentially available on the horizon for them here, be it on Christmas, be it you know against the Vikings, be it in the finale, be it in the playoffs. Right. That is going to be such a galvanizing moment for an offense that has had to weather not having Bakhtiari at the most important position on the offensive line for 12 games a season, for an outside linebacker group that has just had to make it work. They've had to ask more from Rashawn Gary and a quarterback contingent that has just been a bevy of different guys contributing and different you know, utilization of personnel on a week-to-week basis. Any of those three guys come back, great. Two of them come back, fantastic. You get three of them back, and you add them to the recipe that the Packers have already been building. That's that. That's what can get you over the hump here in terms of being able to really start thinking we are not just a team wanting to compete for a Super Bowl. We expect to be there. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's that's the biggest wait and see thing here with uh, with the Packers with regard to personnel down the stretch. Five games to go in the regular season, as you mentioned, the Packers right in the thick of things as far as the uh, the top playoff spot. That number one spot in the NFC will be the only one with the bye, which the Packers got last year. You have Arizona at 10-2. and two. The Cardinals knocked off the Bears this past weekend to maintain that one-game lead. Packers and the Buccaneers at 9-3. and three. The Cowboys and the Rams both 8-4. and four. So you're looking at five teams within all within two games of one another, with five games to play, with all of this potential yeah. jockeying for position and everything going on, it's going to be really interesting to see how to see how this shakes out. It's going to be incredible theater down the stretch. And, and I know Matt LaFleur, and you asked him the question about that. He mentioned it's like this every year. But to, to have you know one team that is in first place with two losses, but to have this many teams in the three and four loss range, and really all on a given day looking like the best team in the NFC nor in the NFC, um, it adds a lot of you know elements to this. And then when you look at the way that the, these seasons 
end for some of these teams, like Washington, for example. Someone pointed out in Insider Inbox. I never even realized it until then. Washington finishes the year with five straight division games. Yeah. Uh, you, you have these That's different stunning. mix and matches of, of, of these schedules and seeing who prevails out of it. And if you're Green Bay, all you can do is focus on yourself. And for them, they're coming out of a week 13 bye. It was challenging to get to that checkpoint, but they reached it. And now you're you're trying to build on that during this final stretch of the year, and in you know three of the five at home, and, and certainly some winnable matchups against the North. Well, it's really interesting too. I know we don't talk much about the AFC on this show, but right now the when you look at those playoff picture graphics, the seven teams in the AFC yeah. that are in those seven playoff spots, all of them have either four or five losses. All seven of those teams are within one game of the loss column, you know, uh, within each other. So there's going to be a lot to, to, ask, to get to get sorted out in the other conference. Can I as ask well. you an impossible question? Sure. Are the Patriots the best team in the AFC? I'm going to say no. Okay. That's um, fine. Yeah, I'm just curious. I, th- I think I think right now they might be. I'm just yeah. not convinced that in January they yeah. they will be. I, the Patriots. Well, if the are, winds are strong enough, maybe they will yeah. be. <laughs> The the the, pa- the Patriots are the Patriots are playing some really really good football right now, and I think uh, we've seen the Chiefs, the Bills, yeah. the Bengals, the Chargers. We've seen all these teams in the AFC go through these ups and downs. The Patriots are the team that that uh, that is on the steadiest course yeah. right now. But again, it's still there are five games left, and then you have the postseason with only one team getting right. a bye. A- everybody except that one seed would have to win three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. To me, there's still so much football left that I just don't know, even though the Patriots are the best, playing the best right now, that they'll be playing the best in January. What a brilliant game plan, though. Wow. I mean, amazing. 45 carries, three passes. And honestly, putting your young quarterback in a position to win. Somebody asked that in inbox, too. Well, what, what has Mac Jones done to be the rookie of the year? He's done every single thing that Bill Belichick has asked him to do, just like he did every single thing that Nick Saban asked him to do. And this guy is making this thing work. And honestly, Mike, if you ever needed to understand how valuable coaching is at this level and to have good coaches, if you don't just believe it looking at Lambeau Field and what Matt LaFleur and his staff have done, right. what Bill Belichick has done and that staff have done this year, Steve Belichick, all of them, that was, that was – I enjoyed watching that football game on Monday night. That was enjoyable to watch for as bizarre as it was. Yeah, it was. It was uh... – uh, a reminder that it's uh, it's fun to watch football games this time of year that are not played indoors. And right? when field position matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Some uh, shout-outs to our sponsors, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone. Like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin subs, we believe in better. All right, the opponent coming in to Lambeau Field, Sunday night football in primetime. It will be the Chicago Bears. The biggest question that, you know, the Packers are going to, again, wait and see as far as uh, the opponent goes is will Justin Fields be back from yeah. the rib injury? That has cost him a few games now, or will Andy Dalton be still under center for Chicago? I guess I, in my mind, I I say I don't know if it's necessarily something the Packers are overly concerned about which quarterback the Bears play, but you sort of have to have a proper plan for yeah. each one, don't you? Because because these two quarterbacks are very different players. I I don't want to say I was disappointed in Andy Dalton. 
But man, if you would have taken away the uniform number, um, the shock of red hair, um, all of that, I, I wouldn't believe that that was an Andy Dalton quarterbacking the Chicago Bears on, on Sunday. I yeah, watched most. That, did, that didn't look good. It didn't look good. And, no. and he made mistakes that, again, I get it. It's the NFL, it's a highly competitive league. But, and it look, was crappy conditions. I crappy mean, yeah, conditions. The Cardinals had to deal with it too, but it was it was it was but rainy it was, and it was rainy and not ideal in Chicago. And Sunday. it was the difference between a team turning the ball over and a team generating turnovers. That was the difference in the game. Yep, absolutely. So, Andy, if Andy Dalton's a quarterback, if I look at that film, I'm like, we got to find ways to put pressure on him. We got to find ways to get the ball back. And but if I'm Matt Nagy this week, as I've said probably for the last three years, when David Montgomery is right and they get the ball in his hands, that offense is different. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter what the offensive line looks like. It doesn't matter if Allen Robinson is playing. David Montgomery is the catalyst to all this, and I thought Montgomery played exceptionally well in that matchup with the opportunities that he was given. Uh, but they made way too many mistakes. T to me, I don't think the Chicago Bears are a bad football team, but they made some pretty bad mistakes to, to be able to put themselves in a position to win that game against the top team of the NFC right now. Yeah, absolutely. They, they simply, they simply turn the ball over too much and, and you can't do that. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Montgomery that the bears, the bears offense looks efficient Yes. when the offense runs through David Montgomery. Now that being said, I also think from a passing perspective, they've missed Allen Robinson totally sorely. Yep. Um, when uh, with, with and I'm not sure how many games exactly he's missed now, but um, but he's a big time target. And no matter who the quarterback has been for the Bears, and and I think offensively they've missed him. And on the defensive side, it's uh, it's not the same without no. Khalil Mack coming off one of those edges. The, the, the Chicago Bears, I, you know, to say it, they've lost their edge. I mean, yeah, pun intended and all that. But without Khalil Mack, that this group just isn't the same. They had. One team sack and no quarterback hits of Kyler Murray in that game. Um, it, it just the pressure just wasn't it wasn't the same. Now now certainly you know Hicks has gone through his stuff this year. Um, you know I still think Roquan Smith. I still think incredibly highly of him. I still feel yeah. like they have pieces. I feel like this is going to be a more competitive game than I think Packer fans are really thinking it's going to be. It's Sunday Night Football. It's Packers Bears. They're going to bring it. Yep. But the attrition that has sort of taken its pound of flesh here of the Bears, I think you're starting to feel it a little bit more because I think in some ways, now they weren't put in great positions to begin with defensively with some of those turnovers, but they're just, there just wasn't a sense of urgency I didn't feel that game. I just didn't feel like the Bears thought they could win it outside of maybe when, when Montgomery got that rushing touchdown. Arizona comes right back and gets down the field quickly. James Conner gets that pass, and, and it kind of felt like that was all she wrote. Yeah. Yeah, it's I gonna be interesting to watch. It's it's fascinating to, to follow how these things go because you had all this this outside hubbub about, you know, Matt Nagy and his future. There's been a lot of distractions for the Bears, and the injuries haven't really helped matters. Yeah, they certainly haven't. Um, quickly here, Wes, before we go, um, a little bit of a plug, Packers fans. If you're looking for holiday gift ideas, team historian Cliff Crystal's book, The Greatest Story in Sports, is now available at the Packers Pro Shop. The four volume hardcover book set tells the true, complete story of the Packers' first century from humble beginnings to heartbreaks and triumphs. Buy your copy online or in-store today. A tremendous holiday gift idea. And to tell you what kind of a man Cliff Crystal is, I put this on my Instagram, but I only have like 800 followers on there. This is a little bit bigger platform, so I'll, I'll use this. 
Cliff worked on this book. Well, if you count his entire life, that has basically been dedicated to Packers history. I was going to say his yeah his career starting in the uh, in the mid early to mid seventies yeah. being a Packers beat reporter. Had some great hair back then. He oh looked, yeah, looked like the he's on the beat. I love you, Cliff. But the the thing I love about Cliff is so it's been over four years. I think he's actually been efforting with this particular book yes. and all the hours and the the sacrifices he's made. I'll tell you right now, when I'm Cliff's age, I'm going to be on a beach somewhere. I'm not going to be writing about Packers books. But <laughs> the fact here, that bro. we were asked to edit like a couple chapters yes. um, took me a weekend. I don't know how you had a couple more than I did. I think maybe took you some time. And we still got mentioned in the table of contents page, the bibliography, if you will. Uh, and Cliff still threw us in there. He did all this work, and you and I just read some words and edit some stuff. Yeah. And he felt compelled to do that. Amazing human being, an amazing book. I can't wait to read all the chapters. I got to read a couple of them. Um, just an incredible testament to journalism, to, to writing, and a dedication to a craft that I think sometimes can get lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've talked to Cliff about it, and he's, he's said so on our website when he's answered fan questions and whatnot, too, that... Uh, that when this book project came up, Mark Murphy told him, get the Packers history right. Like this is, you know, there, and Cliff has talked about all the books out there that have the myths and the things that haven't been really vetted and explored and whether or not stuff is true. Cliff went through all of it, folks. And, uh, um, and this, this truly is the definitive history of the first hundred years of Green Bay Packers football. So it's uh, it's worth your time and your money, I believe. It's it's a beautiful, I, I was down in the pro shop, maybe picked one up already. Uh, an incredible presentation. I love the way they did the, the binding and it's it's great. It's, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to reading it this off season. All right. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.